1966, American psychologist Abraham Maslow popularized the concept known as the law of the instrument, otherwise known as the law of the hammer. Maslow's hammer or gavel or the golden hammer is a cognitive bias that involves an over-reliance on a familiar tool. And I know you've heard of that concept, which is if the only tool you have is a hammer, you tend to think that everything is a nail. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about that in the context of what I see as an over-reliance on the DISC assessment. And I call it the weaponizing of DISC. I'm going to share examples of that. I'm going to share why it happens, why it's wrong, and what to do about it. Hit it, Michael. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi, my name is Susie Price, and I am with Priceless Professional Development, and you are listening to the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, where we focus on topics and resources that help leaders increase energy, commitment, and enjoy in the workplace, and we help you decrease frustration, drama, and unwanted turnover. And we do this through the work that we do every day in our work at Priceless Professional Development is with the hiring science that we do that helps you put the right people in the right seats. And then we take that science, if you've assessed a candidate, and use it to build connection and commitment if that candidate becomes an employee. And it's a tool you can use throughout the life cycle of an employee in onboarding, coaching, team building, training, conflict resolution. So that's the key part of our business. The other second key part of what we do and what we talk Talk about here at Wake Up Eager Workforce is we train and certify internal and external consultants in this science, the hiring science and coaching science. And we do that through self-paced virtual training programs so that people can become certified as a certified professional disc analyst, certified professional motivators analyst, and trimetrics expert analyst. And lastly, the other way that we impact Wake Up Eager Workforce is through our thought leadership, through the books that we write, our website, our newsletter, and of course, this podcast. So wakeupeagerworkforce.com. This is our 55th episode. And if you go to wakeupeagerworkforce.com, you'll see a directory of all of our episodes. We have detailed show notes and transcripts of everything that we do. And so you'll find all that there at wakeupeagerworkforce.com. Today's episode, as I mentioned, is episode number 55. It's the weaponizing of the DISC assessment, why it's wrong and what to do about it. And you can find those show notes and eventually a transcript will be there of this at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash weapon, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash weapon. So in this episode, I'm going to share specific examples about how DISC is over-applied, why it's wrong, and what you can do about it so that you and your organization don't make the same mistakes. So let's start off with, just in case you're not familiar with the DISC assessment, I'm going to give you a quick overview. It's a tool that is used all over the world. Many organizations deliver it. Probably more than 40 million people have taken it. It's a popular assessment tool. And we use it too. So I am a fan of the DISC assessment. I'm just not a fan of it being over-applied. The DISC model, it's highly validated. It's based on four communication styles. And that's why it's called DISC, D-I-S-C. And each style, the D, the I, the S, and the C, represent different observable 
Others can see it, behavioral and communication tendencies. So you've got the high D stands for dominance, high I stands for influence, high S steadiness, high C compliance. And it's a detailed report you can get when you do just a disk assessment report. It's usually in the tool that we use about 24 pages and you get insight around your style strengths and your blind spots. And you also get insight do's and don'ts. Here's how you like to be communicated with. And here's things you need to watch out for. Here's your communication style, the best work environment for you, how others may see you, how you like to be managed, what motivates you. And it's as I am indicating here, it is an excellent tool. I'm not demonizing the tool. It can help people understand how they come across to others, what their strengths are and how to manage their bond spots. It's great to use with teams. We tend to use it with DISC and motivators with a team to help people understand and appreciate different styles, different interests so that you can work together more effectively. And in my opinion, it's a great first step learning tool for building self-awareness to realize how you're coming across to others. And it can help you also begin to value differences. So people who interact or communicate differently than you do, you can move out of judgment and move towards appreciation with the DISC assessment by just understanding they just communicate differently. The other great thing about DISC is that it's easy to understand. So in an hour, you can do with a group, explain the DISC assessment, give everybody their assessment, and they get it. It's visible. It's what you see. Many years ago, before I started my business back in 2004, I was working as a consultant for another organization, and we used Berkman was one of the tools, and we used Myers-Briggs, and I'm familiar with HBDI, which is the Herman Brain Dominance, and all of those tools, some of them I've taught, um, but I never could remember all the specifics, even though I was a teacher of some of them, and I wasn't always sure how to simplify it enough so it could be applied. Um, So that's why when I started my business, that DISC became one of the tools that I use. And and it's one of the reasons why it's so popular. So you can see it, you can understand the model really quickly, and it can help people better understand their teammates and themselves. And just like our greatest strengths can become our weakness, that's the same thing with the DISC assessment. Its greatest strength is that it's so easy to understand, but it also creates a weakness. It's so easy to understand. We just think we use it like a hammer and everything's a nail and apply it to everything. So I want to give you a real life example of some statements that were made that demonstrate the over-application and weaponizing of DISC. And so I, I also, my caveat of explaining the model and how much I like it is to say it is a tool we use and value, but my concern is the over-application. And this example is something that when it happened, I was so upset and angry about it. It really pushes my buttons. So let me just tell you what happened. It was a consultant who was in a client site And he had only seen the DISC assessment on a leadership team. And he had spent about 10 minutes meeting each of the new team of the team members on this leadership team. There was a new CEO who he knew. And so he was meeting with the new CEO and met for just a few minutes with each of the team members. And like I said, he'd had read or seen their DISC assessment results. So he knew what their communication style was and met them briefly. And these are the things that he shared. Here's just three of the insights and insights uh, putting in quotes because they're faulty insights or not complete truth insights would be a better way to say it. This is what he tells the new CEO about three of his leadership team members. First, he says, 
Dave's not assertive enough to be the sales manager. That's probably going to be a problem and you should take a look at it. Next, he talked about Karen. He says, Karen shouldn't be in charge of accounting. She's not detail-oriented. And last but not least, he talked about the human resource manager and he shared with this new CEO, I'm not sure she's people-oriented. You may have a problem with her too. This consultant was very definite and direct in the insight that he shared with this new CEO. And he planted concern and worry about each one of these new team members of his. He came across in a way that I do not like and never want to be like. And that is, he was trying to add value. I don't, he did not mean to do harm, but he's wanting to look like and sound like, you know, I'm smart about people and I know things that you need to know. And I always think of it as kind of like an ignorant fortune teller, you know, let me tell you something about your people. But in reality, his comments were dangerous. They were wrong and irresponsible. And it's a great example of how disc can be weaponized. And unfortunately, it happens too often. So here's the deal. And I'm going to go through one of those examples to kind of point out why his statements were acted like a weapon and were irresponsible. But overall, first is there's so many factors that come into play as to whether we're going to be effective and be a high performer in a role. And DISC is just one view, one bit of insight about how a person will perform and about who they are and who they can become. So one of the things that we do to help alleviate the over-application or weaponizing of DISC, because it's so easy to understand, people tend to want to over-apply it. To counteract that, we help our clients understand there are other factors of performance, and we do that through a car analogy that we use to capture and teach some of those other factors. So let me explain the car analogy. I'll have an image of this so you can quickly look at it at the show notes. So if you go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash weapon, you're going to be able to see this image, and it'll quickly, uh, hopefully, put into context the DISC assessment. So with the in the car analogy, so we use um, the disc. What we say in the car analogy is the disc is how you drive. So when someone's driving down the road, it's what you see. Another area that impacts performance is something you don't see, which is gas and tank. So what are they motivated by? What makes them want to go? What fills their tank? So in the car analogy, gas and tank, but it reveals what someone's most interested in, what they're least interested in, what's going to cause them to want to go gas and tank. The third part of the five areas that are also important to consider around performance and effectiveness is under the hood. What's their horsepower? So under the car hood, you can't see that, but it shows up on the power they have in the job. And that is the measured by their acumen, their personal skills. It's intangible capability that often makes or breaks someone as a team member or as a leader. And it can be things like their level of ability to work well with others, their ability to take responsibility for mistakes, their ability to prioritize customer satisfaction, their ability or not ability to strategize. So I've covered how they drive in the car analogy. That's a disc assessment. Gas and tank is interest. That's your your workplace motivators. Under the hood is measuring acumen. Another key part of performance that the assessments don't measure, but you need to know about is where have they been? Roads traveled? Where have they traveled? 
experience and future plans. Where do they want to go? That impacts your performance. If you have the experience or don't have the experience, if you have the desire, sometimes you can have the desire, but you you just don't have the energy or desire or drive for future plans to move forward. And then last but not least in the five areas of the car analogy where they're parked. So what is the culture? What is the team? Who are they going to be working for? What's the environment? And so that all of that impacts performance. So the five, I call it the five areas of job fit. And I also have a podcast episode that we did. It's episode number 28. And it's why employees fail and what to do about it. So if you want to check that out, it'll be in the show notes, but it's pricelessprofessional.com forward slash job fit that goes into more detail about these five areas. So the five areas out of all of those, the disc style, how someone drives is just what you see. And for that consultant to make a blanket statement like Dave's not assertive enough to be the sales manager, uh, you better check that out. He could be a problem. What's he doing as a sales manager? Kind of those kind of statements. He's missing so many other crucial performance factors. Um, So let's dive into that for a moment. Let's look at Dave. And let's look at him as a sales manager through the lens of the car analogy that I just went through. And then let's compare it to the feedback of that consultant. First off, the consultant was not wrong in that Dave does have a more low-key communication style. In the DISC assessment, he's more people-oriented, more friendly, warm, amiable, team player style. And if you know DISC, it's the high-influence style and steadiness style. He's more of that than he is assertive, direct, and fast-paced. And many top salespeople are, are strong in the high-D or high-dominant style. You know, they're assertive and competitive and forceful in their communication. And that isn't Dave. So the consultant had an appoint when he made that to the CEO. Um, and it is something to consider when you're hiring someone, whether that's going to impact performance or not. But it's not the whole picture. Here are other areas about Dave that round out his performance as a sales manager. What puts gas in his tank? He scores passionate in results and return on investment, which is something you see in all top salespeople. And so the people he's managing, you know, he'll have the same type of interest of got to get results. And and often they're workaholics because they're all about, like, if I do this, I'm going to get results. And he also, the other thing he scored passionate in was leadership and being in charge. So he loves to lead and direct and be in charge. And even though his style is not direct and assertive, his interests are. And it is what puts gas in Dave's tank is something we do see in many top sales manager positions, uh, these drives to get results results and to lead. If you remember, another part of the car analogy is under the hood. That's a personal skills. Like it's a horsepower in a car. It's how strong is the car? What's the horsepower? He scored, Dave scored, well-developed in all 25 personal skills. So he is clear and he has uh, the right positive attitude, bias, or orientation around the people part of the business of being a sales manager, the tasks, he clearly sees what needs to be done and he's strategic. So he's very strong. He had very strong horsepower. Uh, He's resilient under stress. He takes accountability for mistakes. He's disciplined. So those are things you can't see that are outside of the DISC assessment. Um, So he brings a lot of horsepower and his interest, what puts gas in his tank, is a match of the position. In addition, this is something the consultant didn't know and didn't 
take the time to figure out before he made those blanket statements based on Dave's diss style is he's been his roads traveled as part of the car analogy and performance. He's been in the, in the industry that this company is in for his entire career. So he has a ton of connections. He knows the business better than most people in the company. He's respected all over the country. So his roads traveled and his background lend to very high performance. His future plans, that's another part of the puzzle. Sometimes you can have a great background, but you're just in retirement mode or in some other mode or you're distracted. And in his case, I know about his personal life, this person, Dave, he's um, newly divorced and he's keen on paying off debt uh, and setting up a solid retirement. So while he's always been committed to his work, he's now a thousand percent driven and focused because he has these particular goals that the new CEO would probably learn about as he gets to know him. But he's driven to work and, you know, the team and the company has become part of his family and is a key part of his future. And then the other, the fifth part of the car analogy is where you parked, you know, so what's the culture, what's the team like? And in this case with Dave, his team respects him. He inspires the entire organization. He's been the glue when the new CEO was not around and there was, uh, you know, interim people. Dave was the guy who was uh, keeping people moving forward and, and keeping them committed to the organization. So now when you know the whole history and background on Dave, can you see why I got so bothered by the blanket statements about his capability just based on DISC and how I could call that weaponizing DISC? It's um, it's just so irresponsible. <laughs> and it's interesting. The Department of Labor says that you need to use at least three views of someone when using assessments before you make any type of management decision. And then you only use if you're using assessments for less than 30% of a decision. So I think it's it's important to pay attention to what the Department of Labor recommends. I think that's why we came up with the car analogy to think about the five areas of job fit. And I also think there's a difference between, and I think this nuance gets missed. It's very nuanced. But when we're hiring someone and they've taken assessments and we use the trimetrics assessment that measures how they drive, what puts gas in their tank and what's under the hood. When you're hiring someone, you, you should be very, you should use strong rigor you can make strong statements about their level of assertiveness and, you know, for a sales management role around their style. But you have to look at the whole picture and all of it should be discussed. All the five areas of job fit should be discussed and analyzed and looked at critically. So when hiring, you, you're much more direct, you're much more critical. But when you flip to now we've got an employee who's in the job You've hired them or they, in in Dave's case, he's been with the company for 15 years or more, I think. I don't remember the exact, but when you're coaching someone, the discussion and you're using assessments and using something like DISC and my preference is to use other tools as well. Now it's, you shift it from critiquing and judging and saying there's something wrong with this person to, okay, this is an evaluated employee. We want to help them be more successful. How do we use the tools and the information in the car analogy to help them thrive in the role? So we're less critical and critiquing and more thinking about coaching and growing and thinking about, okay, what are the goals? What does the role need to succeed? What strengths can we leverage? What blind spots need to be assisted or be made aware of? And there you build horsepower, you build awareness. So there's a difference between critiquing 
in the hiring part of the situation and coaching when you have an employee and trying to help them be more successful. So that is an example of where the DISC assessment was weaponized. And I know that using the word weaponized in the title of this episode may be a little bit dramatic, but I think the seeds of doubt that that consultant planted with this new CEO about Dave was irresponsible, as I said earlier, and certainly was weaponizing. And it's interesting, I looked up the word weaponizing before I made that the title of this episode, and this is what it says. Weaponizing is a broad term with respect to the degree of harm the weapon is meant to cause. Weaponizing in a military or terrorist application is designed to facilitate or directly cause harm. In political context, it may be designed to cause character assassination, so confusion, or otherwise dis or misinform people. So that's the last part that really applies, dis or misinform people. And a little bit of character assassination on this this responsible, valued employee within an organization to make a blanket statement like that. So I don't think that people, I don't think that that consultant meant to cause harm, but he has a hammer and that's the only tool he uses. So he thinks everything is a nail. And so let me just hammer it as though it's a nail. (laughs) Here are some other examples that I hear from people who are familiar with DISC, and they know other tools, but oftentimes because DISC is so easy to see and so easy to understand, the people that have shared these comments are are people who, who know other tools, but they may say things like, if somebody has an opposite style, so they communicate differently from how this person communicates, I've heard statements like this, those quiet people are too slow and they're not fast and smart like we are. They drive me crazy. Okay, so that's a statement based on somebody looking at disc styles and seeing some people who are at the opposite end of where they like to communicate and making a judgment, which is the exact opposite reason we do or take or use the disc assessment. So there's one example, another example. And then here's one from a seasoned consultant who read a disc assessment on someone and this person was more reserved in their style. And the first comment or reaction was, I could never work with her. She's too talkative and too damn enthusiastic. She needs some coaching. So that's saying, okay, someone's style is different from my own. They're wrong. Again, the opposite reason of why we use the disc assessment. It's about learning acceptance and appreciation for differences and looking for the strengths, even though they're different from our own. And I remember many years ago, it was before I started my business and I worked in a consulting firm, someone I used to work with who I really liked. Uh, she and I had the same disc style. And I'd always cringe in meetings because she'd say, us high I's and D's have to stick together. And I'd be like, oh, I liked her. I did. But her statement implied that we were the same because we had the same disc style. And when actually we had very different drivers, very different backgrounds, different interests, different work ethic, different ways about going about how we do things. Certainly there was a similarity in our communication style being direct and friendly and people oriented and fast paced, but we worked very differently. So the danger with DISC is that we put each other in a box and we say, oh, we're the same or you're different from me, so I couldn't work with you. These are real life examples of how people over apply the DISC tool, making it a weapon. 
And this is what I talked about when I opened today. It's when in 1966, American psychologist Abraham Maslow talked about the law of instrument. It's that cognitive bias, over-reliance on a familiar tool. And it is, you know, if the only tool you have is a hammer, you tend to treat everything as if it were a nail. And that is what happens with the DISC assessment. It's popular, it's widespread, and as Maslow said, it can be treated as though everything is a nail. And you can get some mistakes and misconceptions. And the biggest mistake in DISC is thinking that it's a complete personality profile, which is what happens. So your style is just all of who you are, and it's because it's what you see, but there's so much more. I mean, it's if you've ever seen the images on the internet where you see the tip of an iceberg, you know, so underneath the water is, you know, 90% of the, of the iceberg and the tip is sticking out a little bit. The disc is a little bit sticking out, and there's so much more that you can't see. Sometimes the DISC assessment is perceived as a personality test because it's incorrectly marketed that way, but it's actually a behavioral test, and that difference is vital. Um, And so it is the rest of the iceberg, the stuff you can't see, and the other things you can see, like background and experience and future plans and the culture they're going to be in, go way beyond the scope of four DISC behavioral traits. Sometimes what I see is people try to use DISC so they don't understand the trimetrics assessment. Maybe they're taking the assessment. I try to make sure this doesn't happen with the work that I do. But say they've got trimetrics assessment that's measuring three different aspects of an individual, but they only really understand the DISC assessment and the DISC profile doesn't match. And so then they say, oh, we can't hire this person. So they're over applying that, the tip of the iceberg to make a decision on a candidate. And that is a huge mistake. And some research that we did, and I'll put a link to the show notes of this research uh, at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash weapon. If you use one science like DISC or motivators, and you guess based on those results, you know, whether they're going to be a high performer for a particular role, you have some accuracy. I mean, they are helpful. So you'll be 60% accurate according to our research. So you, you'll guess and you'll do better than half of the time, make a correct prediction that they'll be a fit or not be a fit or they'll do well or, you know, you'll make the correct statements about some of them. If you use two sciences or two assessments, so you use DISC and motivators and you get those results and you're assessing success in a role and you know what the role requires, you're going to be accurate 74% of the time. If you use three sciences, which is under the hood, the acumen, how they drive the disc, and what puts gas in their tank, motivators, which is the trimetrics assessment, trimodal. In our research, in the tests that we did, we correctly identified the high performers for a specific role with 94% accuracy. So if you add that in, and then you say, okay, I'm going to also look at the other areas in the car analogy, roads traveled, future plans, see what I can find out in an interview if it's used for hiring, and then also think about the culture and the team that they're going to be with. You're going to have a high probability of making some great decisions, but you got to think of the whole picture. So it's critical to examine all angles of a person and get a broader view by looking at something like 
and I'm, I'm partial because I use it every day and I've been using it and I'll never stop using it. And it's what I'm an expert in, which is the trimetrics assessment, the three sciences that gives you the 94% accuracy just with the three sciences. So it's much more than style. And the thing is, is a person with any type of this style can succeed in any type profession. So, for example, with Dave, when he's not as high in assertiveness in the disc style as some sales managers might be, well, his motivators cause him to be more assertive because he's very driven by, he's driven by return on investment. He scored passionate above 68% of the population. And then the other part is, is under the hood part is so strong, his ability to adapt his style to be assertive and direct is much stronger based on his experience, his knowledge, and then his acumen. He's able to adapt. That's the whole reason we teach DISC is so that you understand, you know, hey, here's your strengths and here's your blind spot. And for him, his blind spot, if he doesn't adapt his style, may be to be less assertive, but he's managing that based on all of his other strengths and with his level of self-awareness. So with hiring decisions, we recommend the trimetrics assessment. You can't use the DISC assessment. It is not validated by itself to use as a hiring tool. And the Department of Labor says use at least three tools and then use it for less than 30% of your decision. When working with teams, and if you're working with a team and you're wanting to build trust and have them work together more effectively, I like to use DISC, but I don't like DISC by itself because I want the motivators in there. Because a lot of times what puts gas in your tank, what you're most interested in is I value return on investment and you might value giving freely of your time. And there's where we're going to have the biggest uh, challenge when we're trying to make decisions unless we understand each other and understand ourselves. So when I'm working with teams, I almost never, if I can request that the company use the DISC and motivators, it's called the Talent Insights Assessment. You're going to get a better result in regard to having the team build trust and having the team better understand each other. So those tools, the DISC and motivators, when you're using it in a development manner or in a team manner, can help people. Like if somebody is different, and I told you some of the statements that people make that are weaponizing DISC, oh, I can't work with that person because they talk too much. What happens when people get their own results and then they see the team's results, they see like we have a one page tool called a talent tracker and there's these wheels that plot people where their style is located and, you know, where their teammates are located on the wheel and how they like to communicate. You can start to move out of judgment like, okay, she's wrong because she talks way more than I do or he's more conservative reserved than I am. I can move out of judgment to some understanding. So it's like, oh. Their style or their interests are just different. Now I know why we have this difference. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. Once you have the language of these tools, you move out of judgment and you move to some understanding like, oh, okay, they're not wrong. We're different. And I've got to talk based on that. You know, they're not difficult. They're just different. And, and then it's a kind of a, a continuum from there, depending on your relationship with the person. You can move from, if you choose, and, and continue to develop the understanding from understanding the differences to, wow, I respect that difference. They don't do it like I do, but how they do it is really helpful on the team. And then the next layer of evolving up the, up the scale of working together better and, and building trust is, okay, I, I not only respect you now, I now appreciate this. This adds value. Uh, and then once we're moving from appreciation, we can become 
to valuing, which is your viewpoint matters, your preferences and who you are are valued here and you're valued by me. So the higher you can go from judgment, which is where a lot of people sit, even people who are trained in DISC, they don't always make the jump to understanding and then from understanding to appreciation and valuing. But that's the journey. And that's what the tools are meant to do to help us think about and appreciate different ways of working and thinking so that we can build trust. So it's acceptance. Valuing is about building acceptance. And I've been thinking about the word acceptance lately. You know, how can I be more accepting of others? Because that's a layer, uh, a tool of uh, we're all kind of growing into, I would believe. But how can I just value our differences as opposed to thinking they're wrong because how they're doing it is different from me? And, you know, and then I also think about how good it feels to be accepted by someone. Think about that. Acceptance. And think about who you know that accepts you for who you are with no judgment. They're not trying to fix you. They don't try to make you wrong. They don't say, and this happens a lot in my world, you know, where I hear other consultants say, oh, they need a coach or, or I've even had consultants say to me, can I give you some coaching? I mean, what are you going to say to that? I find it so annoying. (laughs) So you're saying you want to tell me something, you know, if I haven't asked, uh, don't offer. And I feel that way with clients. You're not enforcing something on someone, but accepting them for who they are. And from there, figuring out what the goals are and then helping them, you know, talk about changes based on their goals. But when you say someone's wrong or I need to coach you and you're not in acceptance, you're in judgment, it's it's just saying something's wrong with you. So I believe that acceptance is even it's like love. You know, and I've even heard in um, stories, and maybe you've heard this before too, when people have a near-death experience, they feel loved and they feel accepted. And some of them say, why did I come back? Because that felt really great. You know, so what if, I mean, my joy would be for us to use the tools that we use to help people get to where they want to go. At the bottom line, that's it. And to use the tools to find acceptance for yourself, you know, to understand, oh, these are my strengths. Oh, these are my silly old blind spots. I do some of that sometimes without judgment. And then to also give that to other people. So I hope that this episode today has led to more of that acceptance, appreciation for yourself and for others, less of this weaponizing of DISC. The top two takeaways I'd like you to get from today is to, when you take the DISC assessment, look for your strengths and your blind spots and look for the strengths and values others bring in their style and their behaviors and use it to build love and acceptance, not to be used as a weapon or judgment or I know something about you that you don't know. Uh, That's just not right. (laughs) That doesn't help people get to where they want to go. Judgment never does. And the second thing that I'd like you to get from this episode is couple the DISC assessment with the five areas of job fit. Think about using trimetrics. Think about using a tool that, and also taking into account all the areas of job fit, gas and tank, under the hood, roads traveled, where you want to go, where you park. Take the whole picture into account when you're making hiring and management decisions. So I'll close with a statement that I've carried around in the back of my notebook, and it'll be printed in the show notes at pricelessprofessional.com slash weapon. I read it regularly. 
I transfer it. I have this work notebook where I list, you know, my six, six things I'm going to accomplish every day. I wrote a podcast about that, about how to get out of overwhelm, you know, focus your time. But I carry a notebook around with those things, you know, prioritizing what's essential. And in that notebook, I always cut and paste this statement. And the heading is a great teacher. But insert a great teacher, a great parent, a great leader, a great friend, a great family member, particularly a great teacher, leader, coach, consultant. A great teacher is a fabulous student. A great teacher is someone who understands where you are and understands where you want to go and helps you build bridges to get you there. A great teacher is always looking forward where she knows you want to go and never looking back at where you've been. A great teacher never asks you to justify why you are where you are, but instead looks optimistically with you where you're going. A great teacher loves where she is, but doesn't demand you be in the same place. A great teacher honors where you are and encourages movement from where you are to what you want to be and leaves where she is and where she wants to be out of the student's equation. And that's from Abraham Hicks Publications, a teacher, speaker, inspirational person that I've listened to since 1990s. But what that says to me, and it kind of tears me up as I share it, is about making, when you're working with people as a leader, as a coach, as a consultant, making what they want dominant, making who they are and their strength and their value dominant not trying to push a noodle, not trying to lay overlay your knowledge or prove who you are uh, onto them, not trying to coach them. It's it, love them into the difference that they want to make. And I think every leader can do that. When people trust you and they feel like you value them, there's a different dynamic that happens. And it's a part of that valuing and understanding. And uh, these tools are beautiful uh, for helping you do that. And also keeping the first statement on that statement from Abraham, a great teacher is a fabulous student. So at the end of the day, you always working on your growth, your level of acceptance, your understanding, whether you're being present and and with others. So we'll close today with a mention of the show notes, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash weapon. On there, I'll have links to all the things that I mentioned today. There's some articles that talk about these assessment tools. I wrote an article on the 10 most common DISC mistakes. Also another article about 10 best uses for the DISC assessment. I'll have a link to the research that I talked about, about the 94%. And I want to mention something that we're doing more and more of lately, which is helping people be more effective in the use of these assessment tools, whether you're an internal consultant or an external consultant, and that is getting trained or certified. We have three self-paced virtual certification programs. So you can find them at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash get certified. There's a certified professional motivators analyst. That's the gas and tank part of the car analogy. Certified professional disc analyst. That is the how you drive and what we've talked a lot about today. And then there's the trimetrics expert analyst. So we can get you trained and certified in those tools. We have pages and resources, and then I do some coaching around it. 
Uh, so for more information, again, that link to the certification information is at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash get certified. And if you'd like to reach out to me for a complimentary trimetrics assessment or and or a complimentary consulting call, reach out to me at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie. So look forward to, I'm glad to be back into doing the podcast and we've got more coming to you around the assessments and some interviews. So stay tuned. We'll talk to you soon. If you have any input or thoughts or questions, reach out pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie. Last but not least, look at our directory at wakeupeagerworkforce.com. Take care. Thank you. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 